Welcome back, folks, to Make Mine Multiversity, a Marvel podcast, your home for all things Marvel Comics news, reviews, comics, movies, TV, podcasts, uh, telegrams, other... I don't know. When we get to the point that people like are just implanting media in your brain, we'll probably talk about that too. We're hosted by multiversitycomics.com, which is also a wonderful website and your home for all things comic related. Comic reviews, television, comic related show reviews, movie reviews, other podcasts, other thing pieces, other columns. We're currently in the middle of piling together all of our year end content. Can you already believe that it's the end of 2019? Holy crap. And so you will see all of that, our best of 2019 stuff up shortly on that website. But do check it out. Check out Multiversity. If you haven't been there, uh, you should be there. There are tons of other great content there for you to enjoy. Uh, And if you're coming to us on this show from Apple Podcasts or from Stitcher or Spotify, wherever, uh, take a moment, uh, subscribe, rate, review us, and then let us know how we're doing. We would love to hear from you as we continue to explore all the new ways uh, to get you all of your Marvel content. Um, you'll recall, as of last month, we're now a twice-monthly podcast. So this is our second episode, uh, sort of in that in our new, different f- format kind of show. So this uh, first episode of December is our news and other content uh, part of the episode. And then later in December, we'll have an episode where we uh, bring you reviews from all sorts of uh, Marvel's biggest books from uh, this month. Um, So we'll start off uh, with me this half of the show talking about all the news and other content that Marvel's had for the last couple weeks. And then we'll take a break. And then after that, you'll hear once again from our new monthly segment from the uh, boys from the DC3 podcast, uh, which is on multiversitycomics.com. Brian, Zach, and Vince will bring you their sort of uh, reviews and and thoughts and ideas about the current um, stage of Dawn of X books. Um, so look forward to that after the break. But first, we're going to get into some news things. And so first up, biggest thing probably the last couple weeks since we met is that we now have a trailer for the Black Widow movie. Um, I don't know if that's exciting or not. That's really what that pause was. Uh, it's been funny watching sort of the reactions to this on Twitter, not fully knowing that Twitter does not encompass like the viewing public for things like this and that this movie is going to make like a billion dollars and that's going to be what it is. Um, it seems like there's a lot less excitement for a Black Widow movie uh, than there would have been, say, like two or three years ago. Uh, or at least before Infinity War. So the Black Widow movie that's coming out May 1st, 2020, starring starring Scarlett Johansson as Black Widow, um, is going to be set chronologically between the events of Captain America's Civil War and Avengers Infinity War. So you'll recall then that there was sort of um, a gap in that time period where, um, I guess like at the end of Civil War, like Cap's Avengers people kind of like ran, ran off and were doing things. And like then you had Tony's Avengers that were doing things, but they were really separate and they didn't get back together until the beginning of Avengers Infinity War because Thanos was coming and that was world ending and things. So this takes place in that time period and it looks to be not necessarily an origin film for Black Widow, but it looks to be sort of exploring ideas from her origins. So a lot of it seems to be taking place in Russia. The the trailer sort of teases that she's going to have to go back to the Red Room, to the place that trained her and um, figure out... There's going to be some kind of evil there. Uh, Taskmaster's in it, and he kind of just looks like Hawkeye with a mask. Um, uh, I didn't realize really who the cast was for this film until watching the trailer. Like, I just knew names, but I hadn't really looked into it uh, super well. So, like, Florence Pugh's in this movie, which is cool, because I saw Midsummer recently, and so she's, the like, the main uh, woman in that movie. Uh, Rachel Wise, who was in The Favorite and, like, did a really, really good job doing that. And then David Harbour. Uh, Hellboy, which I didn't see the new one, but I did see that really funny SNL sketch that spoofed Joker. Uh, that was the Sesame Street Grouch thing, which I thought was one of, one of the funniest SNL things I've seen in a while. Um, so it looks to be like a fun cast of people. It also looks like it's drawing together. And this is something that I think the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe has done pretty well, is that it's taken a lot of uh, like obscure characters in the Marvel Comics universe, like uh, like Pew and Wise and Harbor are playing um, other characters in Marvel comics from like Russian descent. So they're 
uh, like Pew, I think, is like the first Black Widow, like Yelena Beloa. Um, Wise is playing uh, this character called who's Iron Maiden in the comics, and then Harbor is Red Guardian. But it brings them all together, and the trailer makes it sound like that they're all like sort of family. That this is this is Black Widow's family, and so it doesn't really matter that these characters uh, have weird and different backstories in the comics because they're going to be thrown together in this way in a new way. And so that seems exciting with like you know big name actors and actresses behind them. Um, so that's cool. I think that's cool. Other than that, I don't really have a lot of thoughts. Um, like I think we have talked about on this show, the Marvel Cinematic Universe is really cool. It's like a great, you know, cinematic achievement and all that stuff. A lot of the movies and most of them have not been things that like have piqued our interest in the same way that they've piqued sort of the general viewing public. Um, but this movie's out in May. And so we have a lot of time between now and then to like get excited or to stay not excited. And so we will, uh, we'll get there. Um, moving right along. Uh, Marvel announced some other books that are coming out in February. So we're now, and we'll talk more about the February um, solicitations here in a second, but a few books that are coming out in February. So first up, there's a a Gwen Stacy uh, um, miniseries that's starting in February. That's five issues written by Christos Gage, illustrated by Todd Nock with colors covers by Adam Hughes. Excuse me. So this is like a, Gwen Stacy origin comic, which apparently there has never been one of those before, wild as that is. Um, and so this is going to explore um, sort of like who Gwen was before she meets um, Peter and like the original sort of Amazing Spider-Man stuff, like from back in the 60s. Um, it's this and this next book that I kind of want to talk about in tandem. So hold on to that thought for a second. So the other book that I wanted to talk about briefly together is that we're also getting a falcon and winter soldier book that is going to be five issues and coming out in february and that one's going to be written by Derek landy who is uh primarily a novelist i was trying to figure out where i'd heard the name before when this book was announced and it's because he is one of the novelists that marvel's brought in to do he's done some one shots and then like most recently he did the black order um miniseries that came out if you can believe it earlier this year that i had kind of forgotten about so black order being the uh you know disciple peoples of thanos um and he did that book with with artist philip tan uh so falcon winter soldier written by landy illustrated by federico vincentini who uh most recently did the art for the absolute carnage miles morales tie-ins uh with covers by dan mora and so this one looks to be bringing well bringing together um these two characters who have never headlined a series together, but who are getting a Disney Plus show. They've never had a book that's called this before. Um, and that Disney Plus show, the the Falcon Winter Soldier um, series, is going to be out next fall. Um, we'll talk about... So, okay, so those two, and then also this last one. So we have also a Nebula book coming out in February. Another five-issue miniseries. This one written by Vida Ayala, uh, illustrated by Claire Rowe who has uh, transitioned over to Marvel from DC. She's been doing, uh, she's been on a couple issues of the like Fearless anthology series that Marvel didn't really promote at all, but it has actually been really good and has been like a fun book. And then before that, she was the main artist on Batgirl and the Birds of Prey uh, for the Rebirth era. So uh, by them and then covers by Jen Bartel. Um, So all three of these books together, uh, we have three different five issue miniseries um that are tying into various aspects i mean like that are that are exploring the lives of these characters who sort of now have like a bigger on-screen presence maybe less so with gwen stacy but i would i would i would say that all three of these books seem to kind of exist in the same way that a lot of like marvel's miniseries have started to exist lately insofar as like these will ideally be like fun one-off-y stories that could perennially continue to sell in trade for forever like the next time that nebula has a starring role in uh the marvel like in the marvel cinematic universe whenever like guardians 3 comes out or if like the cosmic stuff continues to be important um they'll like hawk this this book in this series and that's cool like it's fun to have books like that that you can say like if a kid watches Guardians of the Galaxy three and it's like I don't like Nebula is really cool and Karen Gillan's great like I don't know what books to read they can walk into a comic shop and see a Nebula book, Nebula book and be like oh I know that character because I just watched her in the movie I'm gonna I'm gonna pick that up so that's fine no problems with that the thing that I will say 
is that Marvel's publishing a ton and ton of books right now. I think that we can all agree that that's, that's definitely true, whether for good or for ill. Um, and so having all of these books published as like five issue series in the direct market <clears throat> is, is, is interesting. And it sort of like floods, I think like the shelves of sort of local comic book shops. Like I, I don't imagine that a lot of these books are going to sell like super, super well in the way that, um, like people like that retailers online talk about like not really ordering a lot of these books unless people <clears throat> necessarily like pre-order them, but the trades might sell my trades might sell well and they might look, you know, cool on Marvel unlimited for forever. It would be interesting. This is just a thought that I've had. If books like this could debut in some other format, either altogether in like a one issue trade or like full graphic novel thing, or since Marvel, and I, I doubt that they'll ever have comic things on Disney Plus, but if they're going to hawk and, and sort of, well, hawk is the wrong word. If they're going to like turn the Marvel Cinematic Universe inward toward Disney Plus, because we're going to get all these shows and sort of that's going to be the other half of like where events in that universe are going to take place. It would be cool if they had some kind of way to do comic things alongside that, or if they had ways to like advertise for these comics while they're, um, like having all these shows or whatever. That's just a thought that I had. Uh, individually, I'm really excited for the Nebula one. I love Vita Ayala, and I think Claire Rose, a really interesting artist and fun artist, who's like different than a lot of um, other like mainstream mainstream superhero art. It's a lot more like grungy. Um, the Gwen Stacy book, eh? Like, if you're gonna go to get a Gwen Stacy origin book, I would much rather have a team of of people like Ayala and Rowe. Um, than I would some people like like Gage and Nock who have been around in the comic world for forever and ever, and maybe that's part of it. Like they know the story of Gwen Stacy, and so they know how to be added, how to like sort of add into this without having to do a lot of research. But and this is not like a oh like women should only write women and men should only write men kind of thing. It just doesn't make a lot of sense that if you're gonna do a Gwen Stacy book in 2019, then it'd be an origin story that you wouldn't have um, like like a female creative team or a female writer or artist who could like do something like additive to this story, as opposed to sort of like retreading old water. Like, I don't, I don't think that there's going to be anything spectacular about this miniseries and the Falcon winter soldier book um, could be interesting. I don't know. That's kind of where I'm at on that. Uh, but we'll see. Um, so those are all out in February. Uh, another thing in February um, uh in February, the Valkyrie book is getting a new co-writer. So Al Ewing is leaving the book, but coming onto the book is writer uh, Torin Grinbeck, who is a Norwegian um, artist and uh, comic book writer. And then also, when they made when Marvel made that announcement a couple weeks ago that Grinbeck was coming on, they announced that that Kafu, who's been the artist on that book, is now a Marvel exclusive artist, which is very exciting for them. Super excited. Um, Kafka, I've loved uh, his work when he was like doing a lot of stuff over at Valiant, and Valkyrie's been one of my favorite books of the year. Um, and so I'm excited that he's going to be sticking around for a really, really long time. Um, but let's talk about let's talk about Grumbeck. So I didn't I looked her up. She was not a a comic writer artist that I was familiar with, but she has a um, she's published uh, one series that she wrote with a company called Calibra Comics, and then has some self published stuff. Um, and so it looks to be like. It just looks to be like it's it's going to be continue. The quality of the book is going to continue to stay on, stay up because Jason Aaron's staying on the book, and like I think that this is a like really fun way to uh, sort of integrate uh, new writers and artists into like the life of the Marvel universe. Like it seems like the ability to co-write a book um, with someone who's been around for a while, like to get to input your ideas, but sort of like get to bounce things off somebody who, especially like a character like Jane who. Um, like Jason Aaron made her into the character that she is now. Um, like that seems really, really exciting. Uh, the thing that I was sort of fascinated about when this was announced is that I was kind of under the impression with the Valkyrie book that uh, that like if there was somebody that was going to stop being the co-writer at some point, that it was going to be Ewing or it was going to be Aaron and not Ewing. Um, but that doesn't seem to be the case. Like I kind of thought, you know, like Aaron, like King Thor was going to be the last thing that he did with, you know, Thor related things. And that, that might be it. And then after that book ended that like Ewing might be the only writer on this book, but that doesn't seem to be the case. And, you know, like Ewing's doing Immortal Hulk and Guardians of the Galaxy and whatever is coming out of the, the incoming 
that anthology that's coming out in December and like the Marvel Comics 1000 stuff. So it seems like he's got a lot on his plate, but I, I thought maybe like this would tie into all that somehow or, or what? I don't know. I just think it's really interesting. And I know that like Aaron has like an attachment to Jane as a character and to these characters and to these stories. He's been doing it for eight years um, at this point. Uh, it just seems like I, there have been so many sort of like little ends, I guess, in the, the Jason Aaron Thor saga. And I'm excited that he's sticking around because the whole thing has been utterly brilliant. Uh, but I just like don't know when it ends I guess for him um, and maybe the fact that he's like sticking around on on Valkyrie signals that like Valkyrie and Jane are going to continue to be important come tw- like coming into 2020 and like that this book is important enough for Marvel that it's going to continue to exist in which case like that's really great because I don't want like the character of Jane Foster to go onto the wayside because of all the work that Aaron has done with her and because of all the work that's happened with all the Thor stuff uh, at the same time coming perhaps soon maybe not like at this moment there will be a time when we might be like okay Aaron needs to like step completely away from the Thor stuff like he said all that he can say like now it's time for somebody else to do things which he is on the main book but not with this book so anyway those are my thoughts on that lastly um, coming in March we have and Marvel starting to announce some of their March 2020 uh, new books and things. And the solicits for those will be out in a couple weeks. Uh, but we do have the news that we're getting a new Spider-Woman ongoing series written by Carla Pacheco, who has done some one-shots recently for Marvel. She did this Punisher annual with the Acts of Evil thing, and she did the the recently released, like a week or two ago, the Fantastic Four 2099 one-shot. She's done some like some work uh, on Rick and Morty and some other things. Um, so written by her, this is like her biggest Marvel book um, at this point, and illustrated this book illustrated by Perry Perez, who was on the Uncanny X Men Disassembled stuff, and previously before that, Rogue and Gambit, and then other things before that. He's been around for a while. Um, so this is the first uh, Jessica Drew book that we've had since the uh, Dennis Hopeless and Javier Rodriguez run ended in 2017 uh that book made uh jessica mom and it was like really fun and one of the fun books that um came out of the like marvel now 2.0 era all that stuff kind of era whatever um this looks to not be really sort of like that like this seems to be more like an it's going to be more like an action driven sort of jessica drew story which is fine and cool and and very exciting that a that a creator like pacheco is getting sort of a big book like this um and i think too uh like for me like i feel similarly about this that i do than i as i do the uh like the nebula book like i'm excited for all these new creators to get uh exciting new books and like to get sort of like new to reach new heights and new sort of um, levels of like qual like the like uh, popularity of a character or whatever like to get to do a book like like Spider Woman with with a character who is like like semi popular you know like that's really really cool and exciting and so I'm looking forward to this book I think it's going to be a lot of fun uh, and it's coming out in March um, also coming in March that we don't have all the details yet for at the time of the recording of this podcast is that Marvel's teasing this week a uh, new X-Men book that's coming out in March 2019 with a, with a different team. They've been releasing sort of pieces of the team every day. Uh, we know that Havoc and Psylocke are going to be on the team. Um, Psylocke has been a part of Fallen Angels, but it looks like that book is um, either ending or being suspended for a little bit come February. And Brian Hill, uh, writer Brian Hill, who's writing that book on Twitter, has kind of said uh, as as much as that. Because um, he said, like, he's a, a Hollywood, you know, TV uh, writer, screenwriter, and he's, like, got a lot of work doing those things. Um, that's, he's like, I gotta go do those things. and it, But there are plans for Psylocke. So we don't know what that book is gonna be, but it looks to be fun, and we'll have more news about that. Um, on our next episode um but those teases are coming out uh as we speak and so just wanted to make you all aware of that so those are all the news things that are happening over at marvel uh we'll shift now the thing that we started doing too is like i look at the um solicits the the current solicits just to sort of highlight some fun things that are exciting um to me and so briefly 
the taking a look at the February 2020 solicit highlights. We've talked about some of the new books that are coming out already, but just to like hit some highlights in brief, um, with Dawn of X stuff, so we'll start there. Uh, as I said last time, the we're getting a new Wolverine title, and the first issue of that was solicited for February. It led the solicits. Um, and in typical Marvel fashion, it's 72 pages, it's $7.99, and there's going to be two complete stories in this first issue. So this is thus far the biggest book of the Dawn of X era by page count and by price tag. Um, and there are, you know, all the people that are like, ah, Marvel's like scamming me into paying, you know, eight bucks for a first issue. Percy, Ben Percy, who's writing the book, has said on Twitter, like, this is two, basically two complete first issues in one issue. It's two, you know, like 30 page stories with both artists, with Adam Kubert and Victor Bogdanovic. Um, take that how you want it. This is just kind of where we are now with Marvel stuff. Um, also, uh, also to look at the Dawn of X stuff, there are 12 Dawn of X books coming out in February. So I think I said last time that there was the possibility that we could get like 17 Dawn of X books coming out in February. And we get 12. 12 is still a lot, but I think they're starting to realize it seems like my experience maybe with the Dawn of X line um, at this point is that they're like rushing through kind of a lot of stuff. They're putting out a ton of titles, maybe to get to some sort of arbitrary point that they need to get to before like the middle of 2020. Um, and I want like, I, I love everything. still that's happening for the most part. I, I think I have mixed feelings about like some, some of the individual titles, but whatever. Uh, I want there to be sort of like a cohesiveness and I'd, and like to sort of like maintain like a consistent level of like of quality um, throughout like that whole, that whole line and that whole enterprise. And I don't want to like continue sort of inflating the amount of books to the point that it just becomes like incomprehensible and impossible to follow everything. And so hopefully we're getting a correction of some of that. Excalibur and X-Men in February are only shipping one issue a piece, but the X-Men Fantastic Four miniseries that was announced that is, is going to be four issues is shipping two issues. So that is how we get to 12. Um, so yeah. Uh, secondly, the ongoing sort of Iron Man 2020 event is still happening in February. It starts in January, but we're getting um, tie-ins to this event. If you're interested in those, um, I point them out only because Marvel didn't ever formally announce them. And we didn't, no one ever talked about like, there's the creative teams on these tie-ins, even though, we ran like here's what the tie-ins are gonna look like. Um, but we're getting a Machine Man 2020 tie-in. Uh, I think it's a couple issues written by Christus Gage and Tom DeFalco. Gage being one of the co-writers on the main event, and then illustrated by Andy McDonald and others. Um, and then we're getting a Forceworks 2020 book written by Matthew Rosenberg, illustrated by Juan and Ramirez. Um, so if that's your cup of tea. Get in there, you know. Uh, thirdly. The Avengers uh, book is publishing their... It's issue number 31 in February, uh, written by series writer Jason Aaron, illustrated by uh, this artist for this issue, Gerardo Zavino, who's been doing stuff with Aaron over on Conan the Barbarian. Um, And I point this one out just because it's it's an oddly placed uh, 40-page, $4.99 issue. Um, I don't think there's really any significance to the fact that this is issue number 31. I don't know that this is like in the anniversary kind of issue in any way for the Avengers franchise, but it is following up on the Iron Man stuff from the Avengers free comic book day issue, which that seems like a lifetime ago, even though it was just back in May. Um, But weird sort of that they would publish uh, the free comic book day stuff nine months before they would publish like this issue. And it kind of seems like, and we talked about this when we talked about the free comic book day issues that Marvel put out um, in, in May of 2019, that they didn't really follow up on a lot of those things like really quickly. And they kind of just seemed like an odd pair of issues and further adds to some of the thoughts that I've had about Aaron's Avengers run, which has been overall like, like good, but like oddly paced and just like has had, I don't know, some weird oddities and things. Uh, but so this is interesting. That's all I'm saying. Uh, put it out last time, but we didn't know what was going to happen with them. The Dawn of X books are continuing to be published uh, in trade paperback as like Dawn of X Volume 1, Volume 2, Volume 3, Volume 4, up to at least Volume 6. And all of those volumes contain, like Volume 1 contains all the first issues of the first six books. Volume 2 contains the second issues 
Um, and that's a really cool thing and a cool way to consume uh, all of those books if you wish to in that way. Um, so I'm excited about that. And then lastly, another, I usually don't look at Marvel's like trade stuff when I look at the solicits because I don't buy a lot of trades from Marvel's because I feel like they're overpriced and I have Marvel Unlimited. Um, but we're getting a, to coincide, I guess, some with the movie, we're getting a collection of the Mark Wade Chris Samney, Black Widow run um, that's in the February solicits. It was a 12-issue series that came out a couple years ago that Samney and Wade co-wrote kind of but samney did the art and and did most of like the plotting and like scripting wade just basically supervised him and they had worked on daredevil together um but this was like a uh sort of like samney really wanted to do this and wade's like yeah i'm in and samney's like i haven't really like written a book for it and wade's like well i'll help and blah 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 um and it was really really good it was one of my favorite um issues kind of of that uh that era the like before uh I think it was like post secret, right? Post secret wars, um, and it was really fun. And it was beautiful, uh, and it was the last. Well, no, because then Wade and Samney left that to do Captain America for a few issues. Um, so it's a fun book. It's only thirty bucks, uh, and I, I really like that series, and I would consider picking it up. I just saw that, and I had the thought of like, where is Chris Samney? I haven't seen Chris Samney in a very, very long time. And I hope he's doing okay. <laughs> uh, I mean, like, I see him on Twitter post things and stuff. So I know he's, like, alive and all that. I just, like, want a, a Chris Samney book. Like, I want a Chris Samney art book. And I don't know where he's been. And I don't know where he will be. He's done some covers and stuff, I think, at DC. Um, but I hope that he's got big plans in store for us and that he's been working on something really fun for us to, to, to check out. Um so that's all I have, folks. Uh, real brief, I want to thank again uh, Elias and Jake for being on uh, the second show in November last uh, last month. Uh, it was fun to have them, and it was fun to have them fill in. The second part of that episode, we talked uh, Dawn of X books, and we ranked all of the first issues um, ourselves. And, and Jake chided me a lot because I had marauder, Marauders at the very end. And so I wanted to take a moment here and say that now, after having read all of the second issues of the Dawn of X books, my rankings have changed. And I think Jake will very much appreciate uh, this more. And some of you all might better. So at number six, I have Fallen Angels. The second issue of that book kind of bombed. And I think I, I agree more with what Elias and Jake were saying in some of the, that episode. Uh, last time, the fifth, my fifth one is X-Force. My fourth one is the main X-Men title. Uh, my third one is now Marauders because I thought the second issue did a really good job of, of um, after doing a lot of setup in the first issue, the second issue did a really good job of like setting a tone and just saying like, this is who we are now and this is where we're going to be. And it, it finally, the thing that I've been craving um, since like House of X and Powers of 10 did such a great job of setting up so many things and like creating this like really fun narrative and like pushing a lot of things forward. I've been waiting for like the Dawn of X books to push things forward and do things like that instead of just sort of like doing more setup. And the only book that I feel like has really done that uh, to the fullest extent has been Excalibur, which is why it's still my number one. New Mutants is my number two um, now. But Marauders, the second issue of that, I feel like did stuff because we finally get the introduction that Kitty Kate Pride is going to be like the Red Queen and we get more sort of this is what Marauders is going to be going forward. And I liked that a lot. Um, so that's where I'm at now. Uh, so Jake, if you're listening, um, you were right. My B. Uh, <laughs> cool. Well, we'll see you all in a couple weeks. Um, we'll be back with our reviews of some Marvel's books the third week of December. Until then, you can find me on Twitter at KBGregory13 and then also at MultiversityComics.com. Uh, Please uh, go over there, check out all the end of your content. It's going to be coming fast and furious. There's already some of it out and, um, there's gonna be a lot of fun content. There's gift guides. If you're looking for uh, holiday gift people for all the nerds in your life, or there's like other fun lists that you can get angry about on the internet of like end of year content, because you will. And we know that, um, stick around after the break, the DC three cast boys will be talking Don of X stuff. Otherwise folks, we will see you later. Hello, we're the hosts of the Multiversity Manga Club podcast. I'm Emily. I'm Zach. And I'm Walter. Each month, we pick a manga to read and discuss among ourselves. Past books include Monster, 
A Silent Voice, and Pokemon Adventures. We also look back on the past month's installments of Weekly Shonen Jump, discussing the highs and lows from the Viz Anthology. We've even discussed notable manga adaptations like Netflix's Death Note. At the end of each episode, we announce next month's book club pick so you can read along with us. We're always open to suggestions for future books as well. So join us on the first Friday of every month on MultiversityComics.com, Apple Podcasts, or your podcatcher of choice. Hello, Marvel podcast listeners. This is, I believe we called it, What If Stan Lee Created the DC3 Cast? Is that correct? <laughs> yeah. Something like that. Imagine yeah. What If Dan- Stan Lee Created the DC3 Cast, whatever it is. Uh, yeah, we are Stan Lee Good iPad. Stan Lee Good iPad, yes. So I'm Brian. With me, as always, are Zach and Vince. We're going to talk about the Dawn of X books. We're going to talk about um, New Mutants number one, X-Force number one, Fallen Angels number one, and then all the number twos of the six Dawn of X books. So I I, I kind of thought we were not we shouldn't go beat by beat here. We should just kind of talk about um, the series in general so far. So we haven't talked at all about Fallen Angels or New Mutants or X Four. So let's start with those three. Uh, of those three boys, which is the most successful for y'all? Well, my answer differs whether we're talking about issue one or issue two. So how are we going to do this? Because um, let's talk about issue one, I guess, for now. Okay. Um, you go first, Vince. Okay. The out of out of the issue ones, I think New Mutants was easily my favorite of these three. Um, and I think that book. So the first issue was co-written by Hickman and and Ed Brisson, right? Is yes. That, mm-hmm. Yeah, which is weird because Brisson's not on the second issue. I think that they're sharing. At first, it seemed like it was going to be like a co-writing thing where Hickman did like the first arc and then Brisson took over. But the way they've been soliciting it, it's like some issues are written by Brisson, some are written by Hickman. Okay. well, anyway, Um, this one was just a lot of fun right off the bat. I think that's this is a fun cast, first of all. Um Sunspot's characterization is a lot of fun. Very kind of egocentric, uh, superficial. Um, very good. Very very funny. The the Star Jammers show up in this. I'm I'm always up for some Star Jamming. Um. Yeah. So so out of these, this was this this one went down the smoothest. Much like a good bourbon that the uh, the new mutants themselves are chasing after in this very issue. So, <laughs> um, from from my old Kentucky home. <laughs> oh boy! Jeez. Um, thinking of Mad Men right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so my one note I'll, I'll say about that, Vince, is that I am by far the the one of the of the three of us that has read the least. X-Men books in the last 20 years, let's say. And so this cast was not as familiar to me as I'm sure it was to you guys. And so my one note is that with the other books, I felt like there was enough of the cast that I was very familiar with. At the ones I wasn't super familiar with, I was able to familiarize myself relatively easily whereas this was a whole lot of new characters for me not that i felt that they're not or not new characters characters that i'm aware of but don't have a ton of history with um but i will say that the book did not expect you to know too much about any one character going in it's just that i guess i didn't have that fun like oh it's insert character i really enjoy here sequence in this book as often as i had it with some of the other books yeah well on top of that on top of that, I would say they've only really focused very much on two or three, maybe four characters to this point. A couple of the other ones are be- are being used as window dressing so far. I'm sure that's sure. going to change sure. as we go forward, but but yeah. So yeah, if you're not familiar yeah. with them, they, they haven't done much with some of these characters yet to familiarize. Right. Um, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. And like several of the characters have not been used very much in recent comics for a while you know other than like magic sunspot mm-hmm. yeah, cannonball and in the second issue sunspot and cannonball are characters i know pretty well 
uh, it's everybody else I'm I'm less familiar with. Magic, I right? Know that too. Yeah, yeah. You know, going going off of that, like I was really excited for this book because it was the Cannonball Sunspot book, and like having Hickman on it. Like, part of me thinks that Hickman, you know, I'm jumping ahead a bit, but Hickman wrote that second issue because like that's his reunion on those characters who he used so much in Avengers. Mm-hmm. Uh, which was really nice. Um, yeah, that was my book to beat, honestly, for like the whole Dawn of X line in some ways, that and Excalibur, I think. Um, and I did like the first issue, but I think my surprise favorite was Fallen Angels. Ooh. Interesting. Talk about that. Why? Um, I just liked it a lot. I thought it was, I thought it was the only one of the, uh, Dawn of X number ones to be like, as like Hickman big brained as house of X and powers of 10, um, with this whole like, like cybernetic brain drug thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also just the way that it handled like Psylocke's history and everything i i i just really liked it a lot more than i expected to i still didn't love the kudransky art that much but it it was the good kudransky that we've been seeing in action comics uh recently um so i yeah i really really like that first issue a lot um it's weird how much um drugs in x-men comics is a thing you know i just finished (laughs) reading uh new x-men and uh joe casey's uncanny x-men run which both have to do deal with like mutant drugs and like the mutant drug scene um so it's just funny how that's like a recurring theme in in x-men comics um but but yeah i like that book a lot and uh my favorite of the three first issues we're talking about was X-Force number one. Oh, wild. So the three of us had, had different choices. Um, <laughs> and it's funny because, you know, I, I the boys know this, the listeners don't. I, I had to uh, I had to binge a bunch of these books today because I just haven't been able to keep up with everything else, um, you know, uh, that I've been reading. And so I had heard some negative things about all three of these series, actually. Uh, from both from multiversity staffers in some cases, or just on Twitter in other cases, or uh, talking to a friend of mine in one case, and so I was I was skeptical going into all three of these, and I was pleasantly surprised by all three. But I had I had specifically heard a lot of bad things about X Force, and I really dug that book. Um, I dug the the sort of seriousness of it, and you know the 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 powers of ten and House of X books had such a sort of prevailing optimism to them. And this is very much like the dark side of that. Fallen Angels is to a certain degree as well. But this to me felt like very much a piece with the House of X stuff, but looking at the the darker sides of that. And so I, I really enjoyed it from that perspective. Yeah, I, I too saw some of the negative reaction to it. And I think I can I can agree with some of it you know, pertaining to the pacing and maybe some of the dialogue and characterization in some places. Um, but I, I liked that issue a lot too. I thought the art was fantastic and I felt like it, it felt like the most important book. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's pretty much the only one. It's the only Dawn of X book that has been referenced in almost every other Dawn of X book. Right. Vince, what do you think of that issue? Well, this is kind of why I said um, my my favorites differ whether we're talking about the first or second issue because honestly, the first issue of X Force number one, despite the are we we're, we're in spoiler territory, right? Oh, yeah, for sure, yeah. yeah. This despite the conclusion uh, where Professor X is apparently assassinated, the issue really the first issue really did nothing for me. I thought it was. I thought it was overly grim and and while it felt important it didn't it didn't contain all the things that I've liked so far about uh the Hickman Donovex 
thing. Um, I will say that greatly improved in the second issue for me when Wolverine gets out on his mission, it gets into some really weird body horror stuff. It, it starts to differentiate itself while still containing uh, plenty of tether to the Dawn of X storyline. I don't know why. I mean, I don't know what the, the big difference was other than I just jived with that second issue more, but, um, but I, I, after I read the first set of the, the, the number ones, I thought, okay, X, X-Force number one is easily my least favorite. And then when the second issue came along, then I was like, ah, actually, maybe I like this too. <laughs> so, so, so I agree with a lot of the things you're saying if we're talking about the first and second issues put together. You know, a, my first impression of the book was not great. Okay. Um. So let's leave those three books aside for a second and talk about the second issues of X-Men, Excalibur, and Marauders. Did one of these stand out to you guys more than the others? Zach, let's start with you. I really liked X-Men. I mean... That was so much fun. Uh, it's such a X-Men yeah. thing, like two islands that are in love with each other. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um... That is very, very Hickman. The like different levels of summoners. Is, yes, yes. Yeah, is the like the summoner. most Hickman thing. The high summoner. Yeah, yeah. The and, and just like the way the summoners look as well. It's just oh, like, that's east of west all the way. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> you can tell um, which characters Hickman designed. Uh, they stick out with a sore thumb. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah, I liked that. I just yeah, I loved that issue. I'm really surprised that we're getting to the Krakoa stuff so soon. Um, like I'm glad we are. It's cool. Um, but uh, yeah, I I I feel like some people in the first issue uh, had like weird critiques of like Cable's uh, characterization. This like young Cable, um, which like I don't know, whatever. It's it's young cable. Um much like young Sheldon, it can never really approach the heights of the original. Sorry. I, sure, I yes. Exactly, I have never seen an yes. episode of Big Bang Theory. Zinga. Yeah. Uh, um but yeah, I I really like that issue a lot. Something that something from that that was not very Hickman, but that I loved were the like little quiet moments where they're kind of moving through the jungle and uh, Cyclops is I was going to say re- reconnecting but it's almost like connecting for the first time with <laughs> with his kids right like we'll we'll go on that vacation someday you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> actually I was reminded of Arrested Development where like uh, uh, George the, fl- the flashbacks of George like crouching down to talk to one of the kids about like <laughs> whenever he's whenever he's cheating on their mom you yeah. know you know what I'm talking about yeah. like and then, and then it shows like J- Michael and he'll be in like a fishing outfit. <laughs> like, we're we're not going fishing, buddy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. It it felt to me uh, a little bit like a divorced dad trying to relate to his kids. Yeah. Even though you know, uh, as far as we know, Scott is you know is not in that situation. Uh, but it was very much like the trying to connect. Uh, like you said, Vince, maybe not even reconnect, just connect, period, with his kids. And I, I really enjoyed that stuff. I, I felt it was, it's really the first time we've gotten that from Scott in my recent memory. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I, I like that. And I, I like that Hickman is, it, I mean, look, I, I love it when Hickman pulls out, the, you know, the capital T, capital H, capital S, the Hickman shit. But I yeah. also like when he when he manages to surprise us and do some stuff like this that that wasn't necessarily expected. Um, and I do well, like that his X-Men... I'm sorry, Vince, to cut you off. I, I no, do no. like that his X-Men thus far is continuing with the theme that he had said, which was that each issue would focus on a different batch of mutants. And I, I feel like sometimes claims like that are made, but they don't actually follow through with it. And this very much was a totally different cast, more or less, in the first issue. And I like that a lot. Yeah, and I think Hickman gets a bad rap for uh, 
people say that his storytelling is like sterile or clinical or something, you know, that there's a lack of emotion. I don't think that's true at all. I, I've never found that to be true, but I will say that he, he often lets that stuff shine through while the plot is um, motoring along, you know? Yes. He, dole, he doles that out along with plot. And I thought it was refreshing. Now, I, I hate when writers overdo this where they, they do too much banter, or too much downtime. But I thought what he did in this issue with just a few pages where they're just kind of uh, making their way through the jungle was really refreshing writing on his part. Um, it showed a, a side of him that you don't get to see. Agreed. Any particular thoughts on Marauders or Excalibur number two? Mar- Marauders is the one that really won my I think that's my favorite of any of these Ooh, now. I Interesting. agree. I agree. I, I, it's my favorite book in the, in the line. Yeah. I still don't care much for it. Oh, at all. man. Oh, I think I think it's like. Kind of. Mm, cheesy is not the right word, ah! but like. Oh, it's the curveball that these books. I think need. it's kind of goofy at times. I just like I don't know. I, I'm sorry. Great is be... the word you're searching for. Yeah, no, great, yeah. I just I just I, don't love it. I it. I know Marauder, like the Marauders versus Batrock is dope. Like yeah, dope. Y- yeah, no, no. What I was gonna say is like I I understand what Zach is saying because that feels pretty irreverent for the situation that they're in like uh, okay. oh yeah i i guess i'm not even like really bothered by that so much like i that was fun like I, it's fine when a book is fun i love fun books and this is a fun book but like i i don't know there's just something about it that just like has it just definitely has not hooked me yet um how, how are you not hooked when 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 kate Kate or Kitty, I guess. I guess we'll call her Kate because that's what she we wants. Got to call her Kate. That's what she wants. Yeah. Yeah. When she says, "I am the Red Queen, bitch." Yeah. <laughs> how can you not? How can you not flip for that? Uh, or Pyro getting a skull tattoo like he's El Diablo or something. Yes, I did like that <laughs> quite a bit. Yeah, that's appropriation, but he's a <laughs> he's an asshole idiot. So that he is. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I, uh, I don't know. I. It's just. It's good. It's not. It's. It's not bad. I don't dislike it i i like i've said that i don't have a huge attachment to kitty pride just because i've she's actually like never been featured prominently in any like of the major x-men runs that i've read which is weird i've never read astonishing x-men and i've never read like extensively any of claremont stuff Mm um i do really like Emma Frost a lot. Um, but I think I think maybe like my biggest problem with this book, and it's not even really the book's fault, is like it is super fun. I like I enjoy it because it is fun, but from like a I think a a lot of the like machinations of the like Hellfire Training Company, all of that stuff really was kind of squandered by that for me by that um that like leak you remember from like the review copies of house of x where it was kind of like the the like council was revealed already oh i never read that stuff. neither did i okay I avoided okay it well so like so like i've known you know that kitty was going to be the red queen since like the fifth issue of house of x so mm-hmm. for like several weeks almost months now and so you know we kind of that reveal you know taking two issues to get to that so i guess that's like my own fault i guess but i just haven't really felt invested in that and um kind of want to just get to the meat of it a bit which is really hypocritical of me because i'm always saying that i want my books to slow down a little bit and have more character moments. I don't know. It's just not, it's just not grabbed me yet. And then it's fun. I liked when they all went, and got tattoos. That was fun. Yeah. And, and Kitty's like, I'm an ex school teacher. <laughs> Let's make out. <laughs> See, fallen angels is the one that hasn't grabbed me yet. 
Yeah, I, uh... I like the idea that Krakoa... That Krakoa is creating more problems than the the house and power books would have us believe, right? Like those books mm-hmm. were all about hope and establishment establishing this new place. And what I like about all these books is that it's sort of shining lights on various ways in which Krakoa is not necessarily perfect, right? That it's that it's a complicated situation. And I think that Marauders and um X Force really do a good job of highlighting that. I feel like Fallen Angels is it's it's the least Krakoan that and New Mutants is the least Krakoan of the stories. And so I think that it it sticks out a little bit for that reason. And I also feel like it's just the story doesn't have a lot of emotional resonance for me yet, I guess. Oh, I feel like it's got a ton of it. All of like this. Oh, I feel like the stuff with Psylocke is just really sad and interesting. And I, I think the the I think the stuff with Psylocke and the stuff with Captain Britain and like separating out their characters for the first time in like I don't know like two decades and dealing with the ramifications of that, that is super. I, I think that's stuff is fascinating and i I hope that they get to interact more um i i think i hope that like i know fallen angels is going to like take a break after the sixth issue um but i was really hoping to get some interaction eventually between fallen angels and excalibur um just see those characters interact uh i guess betsy and, and psylocke specifically I think that might happen in the pages of Excalibur. I, I could see that, yeah. Or Brian Hill did say something about uh, the, the Fallen Angels story will continue in a very cool way or something like that, which leads me to believe that maybe if Fallen Angels is over, there'll be another book where it is about the two of them or, I don't know, something. I'm I'm way more invested in what's going on in Excalibur, though, than... Than Fallen Angels. Agreed. Uh, let's talk Excalibur and New Mutants for a minute here. Because um, those books we haven't given as much attention to. Um, so Excalibur seems to very much have a... Uh, how can I put this? Uh, I, I sort of know what the long game of Excalibur is going to be. More than I know what the long game of New Mutants is going to be. Would you guys agree with that? Uh, I don't know if I know what the long game of Excalibur is going to be. I ex- Expound on that. I, I feel like, well, I feel like everything with, um, with Betsy as Captain Britain looking for her brother, you know, now Rogue is this, like, you know, sort of, uh, <laughs> um... <laughs> I don't even know how you describe it, like flower golem or something now. Um, I just feel like the pieces of that book, to me, are clear. At least what the first six or months or so are going to be. Just seems like it's going to be a lot of a lot of stuff with Brian, a lot of stuff with Rogue, and sort of how Apocalypse... I, I think that's the book that is really about Apocalypse and his role within, within the New Mutant structure. Um, whereas New Mutants, I, I just, I guess... I guess it's going to be sort of them in space for a while. And I, I guess I'm just not as interested in them in space as I am what's happening on uh, on Terra Firma. Mm. Okay. Even though Excalibur is also going to go into some not, like, you know, regular mutant Krakoan stuff. I hear you. I, I like seeing Jubilee have a big role too. I gotta yes. say that. Yes. I I I've I've always been a big Jubilee fan going back to the cartoon because like th- she was one where she was never big in the comics uh, in any arc or run that I ever read, but she was always one of my favorites from the cartoon. So, well, she, she was very much like the character that we were supposed to relate to in the cartoon. I guess so. Yeah. So 
I, I don't know. I was like seven. I didn't understand that concept. I just <laughs> I just thought she was cool. Zach, of those two books, what are you feeling right now? Between New Mutants and Excalibur? Yeah. Man, I don't know. I, they're both at the top of my list now, I think. I will say I wasn't as keen on the second issue of Fallen Angels as I was the first, and I adored the second issue of New Mutants. Mm. Um I was kind of in the middle on the second issue of Excalibur. Like, I think I liked it a little bit less than the first issue, but I still really like that book a lot. I think I'm, I'm very heavily invested in new mutants at this point. I think Um, one, because I like that it is carrying over. It's definitely the one that is dealing with the most like Hickman Avengers plot threads, um, which is appealing to me. I like that Smasher is back and that, you know, Sunspot and Cannonball are back together. I also am like a big magic mark. I really like think magic is really cool. Um, so that and I, I feel like that book, too. I said, like, X-Force feels really important. I feel like New Mutants is also I think all these books are probably going to be really important in different ways, but the the stuff that it seems like new mutants is going to maybe have to say about like the nature of Krakoa is really interesting with like that, the, the way that like Krakoa was taking over the star jammer ship. That seemed like an important plot point in the first issue. Um, and I know that um, I think it was Walt who tweeted a while back that he checks out anytime the Shi'ar come on oh, page. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I actually like really like the Shi'ar a lot. Me too. Um, so like, I'm definitely down for that stuff. Um, so I, 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 like after the second issues, new mutants might be my favorite book of the mm. six. Uh, a little bit of kismet with the Shi'ar empire and my uh, Marvel cosmic reading that I'm doing. I am broaching the War of Kings stuff from Abnett and uh-huh. Lanning. Yeah. And that's very heavy on the Shi'ar. Did you read that? Have you read that? No, I haven't. I okay. I need to like I never got past all of the Annihilation stuff. Like uh, I read all of Annihilation and never read anything after that. It's freaking great. Um but they they're kind of in the Shi'ar empire right now and so like all these <laughs> these weird haircuts are uh you know, I'm seeing them in both books now, like the triangular hair, you know, <laughs> and uh, Deathbird just showed up in um, whatever book I last read for War of Kings. And now she's in this. She's at the end of this one. Uh, Magister Gladiator. Gladiator plays a pretty big role in the um, I don't I'm not sure about War of Kings yet, but in the uh, Annihilation Wave stuff, Gladiator had a had a role in that. So it's. Yeah, this book is converging with things that I'm currently reading from Marvel's past, and it's like, oh, it's so sweet. Yeah. Yeah, there's a big, you know, Shi'ar arc in New X-Men, and I, I really liked it. And then also, one of my favorite characters in uh, Jason Aaron's Wolverine and the X-Men is Kid Gladiator. Mm, uh, yes. Theater son. Um, so, yeah, I have, I have a soft spot for the, the Shi'ar folk. One of the few things Walt is wrong about. Yeah. <laughs> Nor- normally he's normally he's right. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, any other notes on these books? Uh, specifically these two, or no, just the, the books in general. The uh... I just I want to talk about X Force real quick for one more second. Sure. Um, I hate Quentin Quire. Right. So like, I just hate that guy, but like Ben, a lot of writers are good at this, but Ben Percy's proven here to be good at writing him in a way where he is like a little dick and you don't like him, but that's like a necessary foil to Wolverine in this case. Sure. Um, and I think that was really effective and I love, love, love the body horror stuff that they get to by the end of the second issue where they're in this lab where they're making like enhanced assassins 
basically out of like scrap metal and stuff where they've got like uh they've got like wire in their ears and that's good for making like trip wires and they you know they're they're like made out of all these random parts and it gets really disgusting in the in the art um and I would say I didn't I didn't fully appreciate the art until the second issue either because of that. And then when you get to all this body horror stuff, you're like, oh, man, this uh, Joshua Kassara is really good at drawing this like disgusting, grim stuff. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And like the reveal that they were, you know, like doing skin grafts from from Domino to so to Ooh, fool uh, the uh yeah the defense systems yeah. yeah yeah pretty pretty messed up yeah well uh so that's our thoughts on the second month of dawn of x books we'll be back in january with our thoughts on the third month so um thanks for listening folks and uh if you're also dc readers check out us every wednesday on the dc3 cast so until next time this has been what if stanley had ipad Bye. <laughs>